When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Election College, Episode 49, Prohibition, Prejudice, and Prosperity, The Election of 1928. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, it is the Roaring Twenties, and if it's 1928 and you're a Republican, you're probably in a pretty good mood going into the election season. Yeah, we've got a booming economy of... Over the last 10 years or so, we've got a couple good runs of presidents and we just have an overall happiness, I guess you could say, with the Republican administration. Things are going pretty well. Yeah. And if you are Calvin Coolidge and things seem to be going pretty well, hey, it's always a good thing to quit while you're ahead, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Old uh, old Cal was out fishing and hunting and just hanging out with his family. And he's like, you know what? I'm not running again for president. Yeah. And mind you, while he was out there fishing, he was probably wearing a jacket and a tie <laughs> because that's what you did in 1928. Yeah, absolutely. Why, why would you not? It just seems to be proper, right? Yeah. So style was very important, probably to most people and to Silent Cal. Yeah. So Calvin decides, I'm not going to run. So we got to come up with somebody new, Jason. And there is not a shortage of people running for president on the Republican side. Yeah. You had the Secretary of Commerce, Herbert Hoover, and the former Illinois Governor, Frank Oren Loudon. You had Charles Curtis, who was the Senate Majority Leader, and several others that were like, hey, I'll throw my hat into the ring, right? And hey, one guy, his name was even Guy D. Goff. I have no idea if I'm related to him, but there he is. I would probably, I would say that's probably your great grandfather, um, except it's not. So. There were uh, there were also the some discussions of having the vice president Charles Dawes maybe accepting uh, getting nominated. That didn't need to happen though. And then uh, a lot of people still liked Coolidge a whole bunch, even though he was leaving, which is how you want it to be. And they're all like, "Hey, Coolidge, uh, you said you weren't going to run, but will you run?" And he's just like, "No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll be in the office for." Way too long, more than any man should be in the Oval Office or even the White House at all. And let's just avoid that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, too, that Dawes, (laughs) uh, Hoover couldn't stand him. (laughs) And I think the feeling was pretty mutual about Hoover because 
some people really didn't like him. And just a little bit of background about Hoover. He got accused of some really mean things out of some good that he was trying to do. Uh, you see, back at the end of World War One, he was actually a member of the Supreme Economic Council and the head of the American Relief Administration. And what these organizations would do it, and under Hoover's leadership, really, is they would organize shipments of food for millions of starving people in Central Europe. And he even used a religious organization. He was a Quaker, and they were called the American Friends Service Committee, and they carried out the logistic work. And Hoover gave relief to famine-stricken Bolshevik-controlled areas of Russia. So he was basically feeding the communists, but... Hoover was like, uh, 20 million people are starving. I don't care what their politics are. They shall be fed. So if you want to be a jerk, you could say, well, Hoover was helping the communists, but actually he was just being a human being. And some people in his own party didn't really care for Hoover because he was a guy who did that. Yeah, even uh you know there were there were plenty of people who opposed what he was doing. Uh he simply didn't care like Jason said. He said whatever their politics are, we need to feed them. And if you look at the surrounding political scene at the time, there's really nobody who comes out and is outspokenly in favor of what he's doing as far as his uh his equals in the political scene at the time. So it really says a lot for Hoover that, yeah, he wasn't really the most popular person at the time and it certainly didn't gain him any favors with people who were important, uh, at least what we would consider politically important. And he still did what he thought was right. So agree with what he did or not, it was still respectable that he stuck to his beliefs. Yeah. And in the end, Hoover does win the Republican nomination. Really no problem. I mean, he got... 837 votes, and the next leading candidate, which was Loudon, uh, got 74 votes. So the Republicans, at the end of the day, are unified. And it's kind of interesting because Hoover, <laughs> in his acceptance speech, he said, quote, We in America today are nearer to the final triumph over poverty than ever before in the history of this land. Whoops. Oh, yeah. That was a little bit of foreshadowing I just did, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, <laughs> do you want to move on to the uh, to the Democrats, Jason? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Well, we've got Governor Al Smith of New York. We've talked about him previously. Uh, we've also got Cordell Hall. He's a representative from Tennessee. He's interested in being the president. Senator James Reed from Missouri. And... Uh, Atlee Pomerine from Ohio, who was a former senator. He was also throwing his hat in the ring just for some fun. Yeah, and that whole teapot dome scandal, remember that? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fading from memory. And really, America's prosper at this, prosperous at this point, and the Democrats' prospects are looking pretty Dim. Um, some of the leaders, like our friend William Gibbs McAdoo, you know, McAdoo. Yeah, McAdoo, my buddy McAdoo. Yeah. He's like, eh, I'm going to sit this one out. 
Yeah, so Al Smith, who tries a couple times before this, of course, to get the Democratic nomination, finally does. Uh, they they uh, held the convention in Houston, Texas in June of that year, which seems like a really bad time to choose to go to Texas. And uh, Smith leads the ballot. He also pretty pretty handily gets the nomination. 849 to 71 is his next closest contender. So uh, he gets it. And interesting fact about Al Smith, he is um, he's the first Roman Catholic to gain a nomination for president from either the Democrats or the Republicans. Yeah. And like any good political party, you're going to have to offset that, right? Sure. Just a little bit. So the Democratic Party bosses were like, okay, delegates, let's get a Southerner to be the running mate. So Senator Joseph Taylor Robinson from Arkansas, who really was Smith's political polar opposite. And we'll talk more about Smith's political views as well as religious views here in a moment. Uh, Robinson becomes the running mate. He's from the South. And they're like, hey, let's let's do this. Yeah. So um, the Prohibition Party, Jason, remember them? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They're still around? They're, they're still going at it pretty hard. They're, Prohibition's, they're like in uh, full force, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, we've got them holding their convention and they, uh, they know that Al Smith pretty much opposes prohibition completely. Uh, he is definitely in favor, especially as a Catholic. Most Catholic, Irish Catholics don't really um, have an issue with moderate consumption. And um, so they're like, well, we should go for Hoover. And then they're like, well, well but we really want to nominate William Varney. So if, if, but if we do that, then maybe Hoover won't win. So it becomes kind of a conundrum for them. Yeah, so Varney is nominated, but eh, big deal. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so let's talk just a little bit about Al Smith. So we know that he is Catholic. He is from New York City, which if you're thinking New York City, you're thinking Catholic, you're thinking 20s. Yeah, Tammany Hall and some of these organizations like Tammany Hall which were very much advocates for immigrants, for um, kind of the underdog as as the culture would have it. America at this point is still very Protestant, but then you have this influx of immigrants coming in from Ireland and other nations. And with that, huge, huge population booms of Catholics coming into the northern urban areas. So uh, Tammany Hall is very much supportive of Smith and this is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's a problem for the prohibitionists. It's a problem for a lot of Protestants as well. Uh, there's this idea by many Protestants, um, many people who are both uh, bigoted and also people who are just simply uninformed perhaps or fearful for good reason, but perhaps that think, well, if a Catholic's elected, they're probably going to be some issues with, with him listening to the Pope instead of to the American people. And what if, what if then the Pope like moves over to America 
what what if he just like leaves the Vatican and comes and lives in America? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it sounds hysterical now, but this was a real fear by many people. And perhaps that fear was egged on by some opposing candidates. Who knows? But certainly people were um, very down on Smith just because of the fact that he was not Protestant. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because there was a survey of 8,500 Southern Methodist church ministers only four supported Smith and denominations like Methodists and Southern Baptists and and disciples of Christ were actually very similar in their opposition to having a Catholic in the white house. So there you have it. You've got Democrat Al Smith versus Republican Herbert Hoover. Well, I don't think we need to tell many of you that Herbert Hoover just like gets out the mop and uses Smith to mop the floor. (laughs) He just destroys him in the election and in the popular vote, and then even more so in the electoral college vote for sure. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because Smith did actually get a lot of people. He got out the vote. Um, as Nearly as many voters who voted for Coolidge back in 1924 voted for Smith. But maybe a combination of the prohibition issue. Um, maybe it's the, the religious issue, uh, as well as just the fact that there is a genuine good feeling about the economy and about the end of poverty as we know it gets the Republican vote way out. Uh, for the election and Hoover ends up winning over 83% of the electoral vote. That's an outrageous margin when you really just stop and look at the raw numbers of it. I mean, the, the popular vote, yeah, he won by 18%, which is really significant. But then when you look at the electoral vote and how that plays out and, and like we've talked about many, many times, how that really affects different elections considerably. Uh, This one wasn't at all close, but you could just see how the electoral college can really sway things one way or the other uh, with our, the way our system works. Yeah. So the country is as red as red can be, especially considering that up until this point, the South just didn't vote Republican, but you have, States like Tennessee and North Carolina, uh, even Texas, voting Republican in this election of 1928. Lots of things will definitely continue to change from this point forward. And uh, But for now, Herbert Hoover is your president. Well, not, not yours probably, but the country's president and Charles Curtis is the vice president. So, Ben, uh-huh. it's an election year. It is an election year. Wow. I'm kind of excited because we're not really talking about the current election very much. That's right. And along with the Election College podcast, we started something new this year. Yeah, we wanted to have something that was both positive, uplifting. I said both, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, (laughs) Daily, uh, encouraging, and um, prophetic. No, maybe not prophetic, but... Uh, we started the Fortune Cookie Podcast. 
Yeah. So if you are looking for eh, about three and a half minutes, five minutes max of inspirational thoughts from us truly. How do you say yours truly in plural? Us truly works really well, I think. Us truly. You can find us at Fortune Cookie Podcast in iTunes. And we are on social media at Cookie Podcast over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure to check us out there. Tell your friends. Go ahead and go ahead and subscribe because that really uh, makes sure you hear awesome things. It'll be right in your podcast player first thing in the morning. And if this is your first time tuning into Election College, which is crazy, go ahead and subscribe to this one as well. Uh, We have two episodes a week, and we're here to inform you as much history as we possibly can. And we promise you, when you leave a rating and review, Ben and I both get very giddy and happy. It's true. We we, um, laugh and sing. A little dance, too. But Mm -hmm. we we, we don't talk about it. All right, we will see you next time on Election College for the election of 1932. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.